You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 44 called Essential EdTech for Your Outdoor Classroom. In this episode, we'll tell you all about traditional outdoor classrooms and the numerous benefits that they can have for your students. Then we'll discuss the Got Tech version of an outdoor classroom that infuses our favorite outdoor-themed EdTech with the outdoor learning. We'll go over apps, extensions, and lesson ideas that you'll need to get started. Check it out. with episode number 44 and i feel like we're almost at 50 yeah well we are getting there that's a crazy high number extra fitting though for this episode where we're going to talk about outdoor classrooms is it's kind of getting into one of my favorite times of the year it's just october just started um getting into mid-october it's like my favorite time to get outside and enjoy stuff outdoors so it kind of fits in with uh, the theme of today's episode yeah that's a good point i like this time of year i mean everything's uh kind of the leaves are falling all the noxious species like the multi-floral rose is starting to you know die out a little bit it's not that hot it's not that cold everything's absolutely perfect for going out for a hike yeah and and we were just out together recently guys and i we don't talk about this too much because uh, obviously we have a uh, technology themed show so the outdoors doesn't come up a whole lot but we're actually pretty uh both of us pretty into getting outside and hiking and backpacking we've historically have done a lot of stuff together and we sort of rekindled uh, an interest in in something called geocaching just recently which we used to do all the time and uh just for some reason it, it's kind of sparked up again and we both got out there to try this again and it and it sort of was the the reason we thought we'd bring this to you guys today so i think we need to go over what is geocaching and every time we we used to do presentations on geocaching and and tying that to classroom purposes and every time we did that nick would take over right about now and i'm gonna continue this trend because he's so good at it yeah well i mean geocache it's also as you're talking it's kind of maybe where we got started with all the pd stuff right because our first presentation together was actually on how you could use geocaching in a classroom and it was a pretty unique idea at the time and i'd still never gained a lot of traction so i think it might still be kind of a cool thing for teachers but anyways geocaching it started with handheld gps devices this is before cell phones had the capability but you would buy a gps they were relatively cheap. It was like 100, 150 bucks, right? 100 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But you'd get the handheld GPS and um, there's a website called geocaching.com and it's all these uh, basically like a worldwide treasure hunt where people and anybody can sign up and you get a little waterproof box together and you go hide it somewhere in the woods or in a park or even any public space really it just can't be like private land and you hide it but you log those coordinates the latitude and longitude gets logged it makes like a waypoint and then you could download these waypoints onto your GPS device and then everybody would have access to to them so you could basically go out into the woods for your hike but along the way try to find these hidden geocaches and it was like a big a game really yeah it's a big game and uh what's cool is a lot of people make the titles of their geocaches be kind of themed like take me out to the ball game and they hide a geocache next to a baseball field or something like that and inside these geocaches you would start the box with 10 different trinkets and a logbook 
So the logbook, anyone that finds it can sign in and write a little message if they want saying that they found it. And then with the little trinkets, what you do is you take one that you want to take and you replace it with one of your own. So a lot of times, you know, take me out to the ball game. I remember having a New York Yankees keychain. So I took that, left that in there, and I took a New York Yankees little mini helmet because it all had to do with take me out to the ball game. Right. And it's just super fun. I mean, it's great for kids. If you're listening, you've got kids. Uh, it's such a cool activity. Um, and uh, we were doing this all through our 20s and now in our 30s as well. And it's it's just a great thing to go and do outside. And um, now, of course, as technology progresses, there's just an app for your phone. So you don't even need any special equipment. You download the app. There is a premium version, but you don't need it. There's a bunch of geocaches that you can find for free and you can go find them without any prep work, no downloading. It's just all through the phone app and it actually works really great. So a super fun thing. And, and we thought back when we were doing this, what a cool way to kind of get kids into the outdoors to sort of bring the classroom outside uh, because you're sort of tying in that love of technology uh, with the outdoors and, and using it almost like a bridge to kind of get kids outside. So we thought we'd sort of take that same tactic for today's episode and feature some ed tech uh, outside of the world of geocaching. Some of it touches on that, but um, ed tech that can help support an outdoor classroom. Before we do that, I think it's important we just sort of establish what an outdoor classroom technically is. There's lots of definitions. Uh, some of them are pretty strict and rigid about what it should be. Others are loose. The loosest version is really just taking your kids outside to do anything. Uh, some of the stricter versions, uh, things that we found different places online include really literally a classroom with with seating just outside maybe in like a little grove of trees or out in a field somewhere comfortable one of the big things with an outdoor classroom is that anything you can do indoor indoors can be done outside too and a big part of that is equipping the space so if you actually have like a space that is an outdoor classroom you want to give it all the same things that your indoor classroom has which is stuff to write on stuff to write with maybe a whiteboard that can stay outside or a chalkboard that's not going to get affected by the rain in an ideal outdoor classroom environment. The kids are supposed to be able to move freely uh, from the inside to the outside. And that's a little bit tougher these days with securities. It's kind of depends on what sort of school you're at, but that'd be a really cool way to do it. A lot of it is about like the most extreme version of student-centered and inquiry you could possibly have because sort of it's supposed to be just based on free play where the kids go outside, they observe whatever they observe, and they start to ask questions and investigate it, which I, I also fits in nice with some of the stuff we talk about a lot here. Um, physical activity and games, uh, there's supposed to be places for that. There's supposed to be places for kids to kind of just be quiet and alone and, and make some of those observations in, in sort of like a, a peaceful setting. It is important that a lot of outdoor classroom stuff, It's a lot of it is about getting away from technology which I think is true. And we talk about that too, that technology is a great tool and can enhance a lot of things, but it's important to recognize that it is not a silver bullet and there's times where you should put it down and the outdoor classroom should reflect that too. However, I think there's lots of really great ways where you can actually bring ed tech into the outside to really enhance what the kids are doing. And um, a lot of times you see these associated with like uh, gardens or, you know, like a class garden or a greenhouse. Actually, I kind of wanted to get that going a few years ago, but it was pretty hard um, to do just money wise. But there's like grants where you can start ponds and have animals or composting and, and sort of make that part of the classroom experience. So those are just some of the features. But really, like I said, it's just getting your kids outside. Absolutely. And, and we as teachers, I think sometimes this 
this type of mentality of going outside and the change in the classroom it can be intimidating. And a lot of times we say it takes up too much time and, and things like that. But really, when you think about it, it, it's it's not that much of a time difference. You go outside, say you establish where you guys are going to be at the beginning of the year when you go outside, and, and students know to go out there and, and be ready to go. And if you establish these norms, if you say that, you know, this is our outdoor class classroom spot you got to be here we don't want to lose this privilege because it is a privilege it's not a right they don't need to go outside but the whole timing issue i found that kids were more on task when i did the outdoor classroom stuff than inside and a lot of times halfway into the classroom i had to find a way to get them up out of their seats in order they in order to refocus but outside there's so much going on that you know this whole outside piece brings a refreshing part to the classroom yeah i mean, you have this image that it's going to be like mayhem once the kids are out there but i've a, the couple things that i have tried they like you said they're actually like a lot more focused than you would expect and i mean as far as why to do it when you bring your kids outside beyond what we just talked about a lot of the problems that kids face today like lack of exercise or just being preoccupied with screens they're uncomfortable unless they have a screen in front of their face a lot of people are sort of like disconnected from nature or where they're like afraid of it or they feel like it's dirty or something's going to hurt them. It's, you know, these are common feelings. An outdoor classroom can help to bridge a lot of those gaps. So it gets kids outside. It keeps them active. Um, we mentioned that it really helps to kind of increase focus. If you have uh, students with, you know, o- o- some kind of overactivity like an ADD or ADHD, it's actually really beneficial for them because it gives them freedom and it, and it lets them move when they need to move instead of kind of being stuck in a chair. So I don't know why this is making me think of this, but it is. I mean, I have three kids now. Uh, I think the last time I actually said how many kids I had on the air, it was one, but we grew as a family. But uh, just with my sons, I have three sons, so my three sons. With my oldest, he's now wanting to go outside a lot more, and and I love the fact that he wants to be outside, and, and I want him to be outside. But as parents, there are a lot of dangers about being outside. For example, we were next to a pond the other day, and and one of the things my wife and I talked about was the fact that we're next to a pond. He hasn't been around a pond. He's not the greatest swimmer, you know, so we found ourselves being overprotective of him around the pond. But when we decided to kind of let him to go away from us more than 10 feet, we realized that, you know, he was staying away from the pond. He was staying back. And, And when you think about growing up, when I was five years old, I remember going out and playing with neighborhood kids. And we'd all be in this one common area. And the parents would be, they would all be like in their yards or whatever. And they would kind of look over everybody. But there wasn't this big urgency of safety. Like there wasn't that threat out there. But now we are so micro focused on all this danger, stranger danger, you know, poison ivy, ticks, all this stuff. And it's not like this stuff just came around in the last 20 years. So what I'm saying here is, yeah, there are things out there that there are a lot of good reasons why you shouldn't take students out, but sometimes that one reason why you are taking them out will trump all the other stuff. And I I think our kids are able to handle it, and really it's a lost art. Well, and it's cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's kind of nice that as a classroom teacher, you can give kids some of those experiences like you described where, you know, older generations would just kind of go outside and play. And that's what you did. That doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, but we can help to bring at least some of those experiences back by taking your class outside and letting them kind of explore and play. That was one of the things I wanted to mention, too, for why to do it. Just just letting young 
kids connect with nature. Uh, we are going to talk about bringing technology in, but also getting technology out at some times uh, of that to sort of let them experience what it's like outside and show them that, you know, just, yeah, there's some things that can happen to you, but there's stuff that can happen to you inside too and how to deal with that. So Yeah, and it also can build observational skills. Like students nowadays, they don't know what poison ivy is. And I keep bringing it back to that. But all my stories, I was a field ecology teacher when I taught science and, and I would point to something. It might be a common, you know, weed that comes up and they think because it has three leaves, it's poison ivy and it, it really isn't. Or they think every vine off of a tree is poison ivy and it's not. So it, it's great. It's a great learning experience just in life skills. If you're an English teacher and you're taking your students out to get inspired or an art teacher to get inspired to draw something, that's excellent use for it. But it's also, it gives you the ability to do some life skills with them as well, such as, uh, you know, this is poison ivy. This right here is, you know, the this is what a mosquito larvae looks like, all right? Why, why is this a great breeding ground for mosquitoes? Okay, notice that we have a, a ecotone here where two different ecosystems are colliding. Yeah, that's stuff that they might not get in their regular science class, but that's something that you could bring. And I know several teachers here in our building that love to uh, watch birds and identify birds. That's another thing. You could go out, run a class, and you know what? If there's a red tail flying above, you could point it out. And that might be something that you know you tie into your classroom. So it, it increases their observational skills. It also builds engagement, all right? You, you're kind of using these little moments to shift their focus away so you could bring them back so the class is refreshed. Huge problem with students today too, besides those things uh, of lack of focus that the outdoors can fix is just stress and anxiety levels through the roof for a lot of our school age population. But being outside is so super helpful. There's studies that say that just being outside for 10 minutes a day is like more effective than a lot of the antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds that uh, students and, and, and even adults get put on. There's actually something I just heard about now. They're called forest baths. Have you heard of forest baths? No. It's like a thing that usually people from cities where it's harder to access the woods or if you're just not familiar with the woods, people will pay to get a forest bath, which is literally just driving to the woods with a guide and the guide takes you into the woods and you just kind of sit there and like be there, which always sounded crazy to me because we just, you know, if I want to go outside, I just go on a hike. But for a lot of people, they don't have that experience. They've never done it. They're, they're away from the forest and nobody took them to have that. And it's just super relaxing to the point where people will pay money for this thing. But again, as a classroom teacher, you can kind of give kids that that relaxation and, and teach them. It's a great way to sort of modulate. Have you ever heard of mudding? No. What is that? It's a, it's a bath, but they're in mud. And, okay. And there's mudding clubs in the cities where they go in, they sit in a bath of mud, then they go take a shower and they leave. But it's supposed to be super relaxing. Yeah. Probably the same, same idea. That's what I thought you were going to tell me a forest okay. bath was. But that's what it sounds like. Mine was a little bit stranger, but it's like a real thing. And um, so those are just some of the reasons. And there's tons more. We could we could talk a lot about this for how to do it and why to do it. I just want to say two really great resources before we get into some of our own specific ideas. There's a website called outdoorclassroomproject.org that has tons of resources about how to do this. And also a lot of information about grants to give you money to help uh, build some of these spaces, as well as one called Project Learning Tree. You can find those links in our show notes if you want, or you can just give them a quick Google. 
but uh, amazing, amazing stuff on both of those. More importantly, stay tuned for our next two segments. We're going to run through some uh, apps and extensions that you can use to bridge technology with your outdoor classroom, as well as give uh, hopefully some exciting lesson ideas. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. So for our first real segment, where we get into some of the details of this, bringing uh, bringing ed tech into this outdoor classroom, we put together, uh, I forget exactly how many, but a whole collection of things. Most of these are actually apps. We do a lot of talk about uh, Google and, and Chrome because that's what a lot of the, uh, a lot of schools are using, obviously Chromebooks for their students, and that's what you've, you've got access to. But most people have phones these days, and a lot of schools also are, uh, there are iPads available, and there's tons and tons of apps that you can use. And actually, it's a little bit more common to see that. So a lot of the stuff we found are more app-based. We tried to find like a little bit of everything. One that I thought was super cool, and there's there's a ton of options. Uh, so I just found like two or three of them. Uh, some of the common ones are called PlantNet or PlantSnap. And these are apps, uh, typically used with a phone, but like I said, you can get them on an iPad. And really it connects with the camera and you hold the phone's camera up to a leaf or a flower and um, it detects based on the shape of the leaves and the shape of the flowers. It recognizes that and it's used like as an identification app pretty much. So really, really cool way to kind of get kids familiar with with different types of plant life. We mentioned in the first segment, maybe you just don't know what poison ivy actually is. Is is, is that three leaf thing something I should be afraid of or is it not? We well, can kind of let technology bridge that gap to get them comfortable. And if you don't want to go through the hassle of getting something specific like PlantNet or PlantSnap, uh, Google Lens. Every, everybody who has Google on their phone right now has a thing called Google Lens where you don't, it, you can search just by holding the phone camera up to an object. And I've used the Google Lens on uh, plants and flowers. Maybe even there was like a, I saw like a nut last week that I didn't know what it was and I held it up and it's pretty good at recognizing what stuff is. So there's lots of ways that you can like identify your surroundings with uh, these different apps. So the next app is kind of in your blended learning classroom where where you're able to connect education through all parts of the day. And so say that you have a astro- astronomy class or you're studying a unit on stars, constellations, that type of thing, and you want your students to actually look for them at night, there's one called Starwalk. And this is for augmented reality info about stars and constellations. And this is at the nighttime only. So this isn't something that you could use during the day. This is something that you might assign for homework really cool. It's pretty cool too. Uh, there's, and there's a couple versions of that also. You, you literally hold up the screen to the sky and it detects the positioning of the phone and it shows you what all the constellations are that you're looking at. Uh, so that's a, a really, really cool one for kids to use. Um, I think one aspect of this could be geography in some way. And a big part of that, especially at the younger grades, is learning about latitude and longitude and how that works. There's a lot of apps that can connect those things while you're outside. Uh, one that I liked is called Gyro Compass. This app is pretty much a compass, so you could use it to talk about positioning on the globe. If you're in more of a science realm, you can use it to talk about magnetic north versus true north, or maybe just use it to teach the kids literally how to navigate with a compass. Maybe have some, you know, real actual compasses to use and then the, the technological version, so they get the experience with both of those. I've, but I think there's some cool applications of a uh, an electronic compass for the kids outside. 
Yeah, how about for these classes where you're you're studying artifacts, uh, whether it's historical or uh, artifacts that have to do with history or maybe civilization artifacts, things like that. There's an app called Civilizations AR. So it's an augmented reality artifacts app that allows you to be outside and these artifacts that you're studying become part of the background in any outdoor setting. So you could kind of take a look at them and some of these might be in their actual... Um, you know, if it's a artifact based on nature, it's it brings a new sense to that artifact. So uh, Civilizations AR is another really good one that you could use outdoors. My favorite one probably out of this whole list is uh, called Xnote. And Xnote is it's kind of like a virtual treasure hunt app. I like this because a lot of the lesson ideas that I've actually tried before with my class outside involves not necessarily a treasure hunt, but some kind of a hunting aspect, hiding things that they find and it leads them down different paths. Um, well, Xno is that, but you can sort of orchestrate that all with, with an app on the phone or the iPad that you're using. It's so cool because you can create them as the teachers. So the kids using the app sort of navigate to these waypoints that you set and they get different pieces of information there. Uh, I was really excited to come across Xno because I've, I've kind of been waiting for something like that to be available to teachers. So that, that's a really, really cool one. So earlier you talked about Plant Snap and that helped you identify uh, plants. There's also ones that will help you identify rocks and, and minerals out there. And, and these are called uh, Rock Hound and Smart Geology. So both of those, if, if you see an interesting looking rock, it will help you identify what that rock is or what that mineral is. Uh, maybe. Yep. And pretty much the same deal there. It just kind of holds up the, the the camera and it does it for you along with just cataloging. So you can compare to stuff you found to databases of what's out there. And I guess sort of a good segue from that is other similar apps, but now for identifying birds, animals, all kinds of stuff that you can see outside. The Audubon Society has a ton of different um, identification apps. One of them, the, the Audubon Society, I think is pretty into birds mostly, but they have several. It's called the Audubon bird guide app and again it's it's that purpose of you you see you know 150 feet in the air that silhouette of a certain wing shape kind of getting kids used to not only noticing that but appreciating it and then identifying what it is maybe as part of like a a, a big study that you're doing to see what you know, the largest bird populations are around your school your school area so that's a really cool one and what's really cool about all these identification apps is uh, some students will really take a hold of them and use them outside in their regular life. And I can give you an example where Nick and I used the Insect Audubon app. And this is probably four or five years ago. We used to go camping at the end of the school year. Um, I don't know, just a kind of, it's like the end of year activity. There would be eight to 10 of us uh, teachers that would go out and just go camping. And, and we saw a Luna moth um, next to the bathroom and no one knew what the Luna moth was. I had a idea of what it was, but I mean, if you don't know what a Luna moth is, they're beautiful. They're all different colors. There's some greens some purples, you know, and this is colored coming from the colorblind guy, but I mean, it's a vibrant, moth and they're huge they're they're very big so no one knew what they were there are a couple right by the bathrooms and uh, we actually used the app to identify what that was and it was indeed a luna moth so all those are pretty cool and they do serve you know you will find your students using them outside of the classroom as well they get pretty excited about them uh the last one is metaverse so with the metaverse app students can play mobile games in an augmented reality they could go geocaching have a a location-based experience, make puzzles, and really choose their own adventure. 
go on scavenger hunts and that sort of thing. So with the Metaverse uh, Studio, you can create your interactive stories and breakout games for your students. So this really goes with one of the things that, you know, we have been doing a lot of. I cannot believe that I haven't really heard of this one. So this is one that Nick has has uh, found. Yeah, it's really my favorite part of that is that, and I haven't used it yet because it's new to both of us, but I saw some stuff online. It looks really cool. The uh, location-based experiences are pretty awesome because uh, you can program so when a student gets to a certain location uh, that the app detects, in an augmented reality way, they hold up the screen and something happens when they're there on the screen. And it's just like a really cool immersive way to kind of build in again, sort of like that that treasure hunt piece, uh, but it, it just looks super awesome. So um, there's a ton of stuff out there. This was just a small taste. There's two things I thought of uh, just as we were talking. Um, this is more for like a field trip kind of application, but uh, Gettysburg, and you grew up down near Gettysburg, but there's it doesn't apply to just that. Really, a, a lot of battlefields, the historical places you can visit these days are doing this, where again, in an augmented reality way, you, you hold up your screen, your phone or your iPad, and it shows the battle taking place on the screen. So you can kind of get a, a realistic sense of what's happening. We I talked to one of these guys when we were at the ISTE conference in June, but I can't remember uh, the exact name of this one, but it looked so cool. It's tough if you're just at a school building building, but you never know, there might be ways to tie it in. And then also, this is kind of obvious, but I think it deserves to be said, just the phone, the phone, or, or I'm sorry, the phone camera, or or if you've got your Chromebooks outside, just the webcam to take pictures and catalog what you see and use those for different things. So there's just about 10 different apps and extensions that you can use with technology outside. And our final segment will explain some actual specific lessons that maybe tie some of these in. So stay tuned. So we are now in the probably favorite part of our episode. If you haven't noticed this in previous episodes, we're kind of following the same path lately. We give you a little background story about something that's motivating us, and then we get into some characteristics that fit that method of best practice. We go into some technology, and then we give you ways to use that technology in the classroom, or in this case, in the outdoor classroom. So we're going to give you a couple lesson ideas of, and these are just general. I mean, they're not specific to any subject. They'll work for most subjects, if not all subjects. Um, so we're, we're just going to go over a couple of different lesson ideas. And a lot of these we've actually tried in the past in one shape or form. So uh, we're very excited about these. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off? Yeah, sure. The first one, I've mentioned scavenger hunts a couple times. It's probably my favorite way uh, to get a class outside when you don't actually have like a well-defined outdoor classroom. You just sort of have the kids come in and say, okay, guys, today's lesson. We're headed outside. Scavenger hunt, we gave you some apps that can do this for you. I think if you want a quicker version that could be easily used in like really any subject, and I think most grade levels too, how about a QR code-based scavenger hunt? Uh, you have the, the kids either use their phones because most phone cameras now have a QR code reader built in. If you've got Chromebooks, you can grab a quick uh, QR reader extension that works through Google Chrome. And they, they work really well. Um, as the teacher, your only prep is to go out ahead of time and post some QR codes. I usually print them off and try to laminate them if I can, just in case it gets rainy. But if you can't, 
paper works too. Post them in different locations around the school building um, and the kids have to navigate to each one. When they get there, they scan it. And when they scan it, it tells them to do something or solve a puzzle or a problem or some kind of answer. And after completion of that, in some way, it unveils their directions to the next QR code. Now, how you how you get them there is up to you. Sometimes I'll give them like certain latitude, longitude coordinates. We'll actually talk about that in the next example. And those latitude and longitude coordinates take them to the next one. Sometimes it's as simple as posted with that QR code is maybe like a hint or a riddle. Or if you've taught them how to use a compass app, they can use that to sort of orient themselves towards the next one. There's tons of options. Uh, but this I can guarantee this will be extremely popular with your kids. They have so much fun getting to run around and race each other if you want to build that aspect into it. I, I highly recommend a scavenger hunt in this way. Yeah, and the scavenger hunt, say you plan the scavenger hunt and it's going to be outside and it's raining, bad weather. Well, guess what? You still have these QR codes. Have it in, in the building. Send a quick email out to your colleagues, letting them know that you know my students will be in the hallways. They are instructed to be quiet if they're not. Send them back to the classroom. But then put put up your QR codes in areas that are, you know, not classrooms, such as your cafeteria during non-lunch periods, uh, maybe your main office. You could get some of the uh, staff involved in the main office. They they often like that. Um, you have gyms, gymnasiums, foyers, things like that. And you, can, you could still have that. So if you're afraid of losing a period or getting behind in whatever you're teaching, you can also do that. I'm going to take this next idea uh, as well, just because I was just doing this recently. And you can jump in if I missed something. But um, if, you, if you do want to tie in latitude and longitude, points around your school building. If that's maybe what you're teaching. Younger grades, I, I remember learning that in school and we, we did it... Um the teacher like baked a cake and we had to decorate the cakes with like the different latitudes and long latitude and longitude lines. Well, now with technology, you can actually take them outside and they can uh, they can actually get to use and navigate with those coordinates. And, and I think the simplest way to do it, there's a couple apps that do it, but a lot of us now just getting to and from work, we all plug in Waze or Google Maps to kind of get you around the traffic. Well, Google Maps will also let you navigate based on latitude, longitude coordinates. Um, and as the teacher to kind of set this up, all you have to do is sit at your own computer and pull up, you know, a satellite map of the school and you can literally click anything anywhere and just one click and it will it will give you the exact latitude longitude down to like the minute and second uh, decimal place and you can write those down and sort of uh, I like to just kind of pool them as like waypoints that the kids have to navigate to using these different latitude longitudes. Maybe there's that's the scavenger hunt element. Maybe there's just things at those different waypoints that I want them to see. Uh, but it's a great way to make that uh, real for them and, and let the technology do some of the guiding. So think of this as a big station rotation activity within a blended classroom. This is blended learning is station rotation model. That's what it is. There's five different activities that you want them to do. There's five different locations around the building or outside that you want them to accomplish. That's what it is. It's a station rotation model. Uh, let's go to the next one. The next one is geocaching. There is a geocaching app on your phone. Uh, you could also do it the same way with uh, the Google Maps and getting the longitude latitude. But uh, what I want to talk about is a local park. So when I taught field ecology and when I taught bioethics, there's a local park right next to us, a couple miles down the road. I would do a half day field trip. And usually I would try to make it on a day that's already disrupted. Like uh, I did it one day in the afternoon during the PSAT day where the morning is uh, shut down for anyone taking PSATs. The afternoon, I would get 
my class and anyone else teaching the class that I'm taking on a field trip. Together, we would go over to the park. And from there, we would have some type of a team building activity based on knowledge that they got from the course so far. So what I did is I took these uh, dowel rods, quarter inch dowel rods, and tie a, a rag or something like that around it. And I would staple a question to that rag. And then I would also take two index cards, right? two possible answers. So what they were doing is a relay race. A student had to go out and find one of the 10 questions. They would read the question, pull back or pull off the correct answer from that uh, rag that I hung from the quarter inch dowel rod. And then they came back and they had to find all 10 answers. And then once they're done, they come over and they get a time penalty for each one that they got wrong. And you would see who would win and that would give them an advantage for later to use. Maybe they lunch first or whatever it may be. And that was the team that was the team building part, right? Yeah, but okay. I still brought content in because they're doing that little relay race. I did a couple other small ones, but that was the one that they they really liked the best. I made them we took some uh, bamboo shoots and they had to make something that would attract like retrieve a bag full of rocks and inside the rocks had uh, letters on it and they had to make a phrase of something that they learned in order it's like a big puzzle right it's a word puzzle it's a word scramble and after they made their device using bamboo shoots and twine and they retrieved their bags they would make that phrase and that was also something that would could give them an advantage for later and then the uh, geocaching would be this the, the uh, third activity and they would go and they would have to find a couple and and we made that act you know another activity and then i made it survivor themed i forget really how i did that yeah. but uh you had I think an idol had, right yeah, yeah once they got all three of their geocaches they it led them to the the last uh coordinate which was uh, a 50 by 50 plot where I could hide uh, an idol, and whoever got that was the sole survivor. I think uh, I used to do. I used to help uh, help guys with this field trip, and it was one of my favorite all years. Basically, like a day outside for us, and it was it was always really fun, and the kids loved it. But I think the best part was uh, was that for your bioethics class, right? Yeah, it was a uh, pretty heavy on the recycling aspect too. A lot of conservation was tied in with that day, and I think that's cool. If you want to build in uh, another way to build in some content to that, uh, a big part of it was uh, collecting trash as the kids were walking through the park, learning about your local parks and how important they are and how important it is to take care of them. I remember the kids would always be so surprised how much garbage there was around. And I think they got a lot out of it. And I've since actually stolen that idea when I do just like treasure hunts, just on school grounds. I give bonus points for whichever team can collect the most trash. And and even just without leaving, they're always like shocked how much garbage there is. Because if you're not focusing, you don't even see it. It's just like part of our lives. But uh, it, it can really teach kids a lot if you do it that way. So definitely like the geocaching event. Um, another cool lesson idea. And this isn't so much a lesson, but more just like a way to orchestrate your outdoor classroom. Get a garden going. And if, if you are really motivated, apply for a grant, however your school does that, get a greenhouse built and let the students plan and run that space. This could even just be like a, a patch of wildflowers, but sort of doing it the proper way and letting that ecology build. Again, there's no specific lesson with this because there's so many directions to take it. If you're running a, a you know, a, a chemistry lesson, it can be all about soil pH and the different, uh, you know, values of that that plants need to survive. If you're letting the wildflowers grow, it can be about the ecology over time of how those fields develop. There's so many cool things. Another thing is, uh, you know, bees. 
pollination. And that's a big uh, topic going on right now with uh, the bee populations um, declining in mass numbers. And uh, I know of a couple schools in our district that actually have beehives and they study bees. But I also know from a STEM standpoint, there's this uh, path that you could talk with elementary school people or students about like bees and the problems that they're having and then the middle school teachers do the same thing but they take it one step further and and they're starting to come up with some ideas or brainstorming ideas of you know i guess how to correct this problem and then the high schoolers actually have to devise a a mechanism they have to develop a mechanism on it. But it's kind of cool because the elementary students look at it first. They report to the middle school students. Middle school students take what they found and they develop some type of a solution. And the high schoolers actually bring that solution uh, to a prototype or to fruition in some cases. So it's a, it's a very, that's a way to kind of get the whole district involved. And it is happening out there. There's another study out there. If you have a body of water, whether it's a little stream or a pond or something near campus, you could also do a lot of studies there. Another outdoor project that you could do, and I've seen social studies teachers and history teachers do this, is they study war war patterns, like fighting patterns, flanking patterns, and stuff like that, and they go out and have a reenactment. So what they're doing is they're reenacting, you know, a battle within the war. Why was this successful? Well, let's show you so you guys can see why it was successful. Do you understand that war tactic? And this is why this general or this person was so successful in battle and very dangerous. That's uh, that's really cool. And I just want to jump back a little bit because I, I mentioned before I'm a chem teacher. So the, the water testing stuff is really big. I think it's worth mentioning that a lot of there's a ton of different uh, phone apps uh, where you can actually bring the phone outside and if you're testing say the pH of the water or different levels there's actually digital you know digital pH probes and they kind of feed that information straight into an app on your phone um, so if, if you have access to any of those look into whatever the company is that makes those pH probes I'm pretty sure they have an app that you can use to kind of aggregate that data um, and one other thing that I, I want to mention too lesson wise are uh, arts teachers so much to do outside even if all it is is you know sending them out with the Chromebooks or their phones and they have to photograph three different types of plant and animal life and, and then bring them back in and sketch those or draw those or do something creative. And then just I, just last night I was reading a different thing where it was actually a design class. So you could kind of tie this in with STEAM, uh, you know, the science, technology, there's engineering and art and math all in this. But it was a teacher that was writing about a lesson where, you know, they wanted kids to design a cup. It was like a simple, like an introductory design class. But instead of saying design a cup, uh, the lesson was design a way to carry water. And if you don't use the words design a cup, if you just say design a way to carry water, it really kind of lets the creativity flow and you get all sorts of really weird new things. Whereas if you just say design a cup, you just get a bunch of different cups from the kids. So kind of giving them that freedom. And if you're doing this outside, there's so many things you could tie that into. Maybe design a way, you know, to get water, to irrigate water into your classroom garden. Design a way to collect rainwater for your classroom garden and sort of and sort of build in that you know the science with the the art of the designing it the engineering of that design and maybe any math that's involved to keep track of how much water is in there um i think the 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 possibilities are endless here but hopefully some of these lesson ideas are appealing and and spark some creativity to help you get your get your class outside 
Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.